Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast, presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, along with the lean, mean, tweeting machine, Twitter fiend, Arif D. <laughs> that was actually doing? pretty good. Here we go. You, Here we go. I've been thinking about that for like 24 hours now. We so. love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm losing my mind, and we still haven't started UFA Day, and I am ever so excited. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you know, the, the subtly busiest time of the NHL year, despite no hockey being played. So um, a lot going on, a lot in Avalanche land. Of course, we got the Ross Colton acquisition to get into and, uh, you know, what free agent day is going to look like. And then, of course, get into some of the draft picks here. So, Arif, I'm not even going to ask you a question because you've proven in past podcasts. You don't even listen to him anyway. You just kind of say <laughs> whatever you want. So Ross Colton, your thoughts. Oh, so you're saying I do the Jared Bednar thing where you ask a simple question and get a four and a half minute long answer that starts with, usually I didn't like our start. Well, one thing I do <laughs> respect about you is you do tend to sometimes go off the rails, but you always bring it back. Every single time you bring it back full circle and you're, you're often like, the reason I said all that nonsense was because, and I'm like, <laughs> it, it plays beautifully. So hey, you, you do your thing, but make I'm zero the- changes. I'm the guy that when he when you ask a question, I go, okay, well, I, you got to know the backstory. Long story short, <laughs> and then I talk for 18 minutes. Um, Ross Colton, long. yeah, exactly. Ross Colton, uh, savvy, sweet addition by the Avalanche. That's that's the best way to put it. I really wish we had a contract to talk about in connection with Ross Colton and what he's going to make because. On one hand, I could see it being a little bit of a bridge deal. I don't know, two years, 2.75. On the other hand, I could see him just replacing JT Comfort outright, getting four years at three and a half million and just kind of locking in what you had in the past four years in JT, having it in Ross and, and knowing that with Colton, it's a player that has scored 20 goals before. So uh, I don't know if you saw there was an article, Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com put it up last night. He talked to Joe Sackick and Joe said that the team is looking for grit. And this is the type of player they're looking for. Ryan Johansson fits the bill. Ross Colton fits the bill. Several UFAs could fit this bill. But what you have in this guy is a good third-line center that has the versatility to play in your top six when needed. Uh, something that he has extra that JT didn't have is he can also play on the wing, which you know I just don't think the Avalanche ever tried JT there because they didn't need to. Um, but you have a versatile third-line center that will give you around 15 to 20 goals, probably around 35 to 40 points. So, you know, similar-ish numbers to what Comfer was giving you. Uh, we'll play on the PK. We'll play uh, on the second power play unit. Can win a face-off, which has kind of been the theme with the Avs' additions with him and Johansson. Good face-off, guys. Um, and is going to kind of slot in perfectly in your lineup. I think the Avalanche pretty much went went right into this trade saying, we can't sign JT Comfer. He's going to make so much. Thank you for your services. Let's go out and find the next JT Comfort because we know having a player like that on the third line will win you a Stanley Cup. So let's get the next guy. Yeah, there's a, one thing I really like about him. I mean, he's he's only had three years in the NHL, but in each of those three years, he's put up decent points. More importantly, he's had more goals than assists. 
in those points, right? How often do we get a guy and we talk about him? Oh, he puts up this many points and a lot of them are assists. You know, he's a playmaker. This guy has a lot of his points being goals, which tells me this guy knows how to bury the puck when put in the right situations, given the right ice time. I'm excited to uh, see what he brings from an offensive standpoint, but the grit conversation is something I wanted to dive into a little deeper, right? I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me saying this for at least three or four years, right? But you look back at the season that was, not having Gabe Landeskog in that lineup really made a difference in the sandpaper of this team. And you saw it against even the Kraken, right? I think that might have really been what put the Avalanche out of that series was the Kraken's ability to 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 check. And the, the physicality that the Kraken brought just didn't seem like the Avalanche had the lineup or the energy to really match it. And then I look back at the season, I forget who it was. It was the Boston Bruin game, whoever, uh, chicken-winged Kale McCarr, and there was no response from that out of anyone, right? And kind of the same thing with Cogliano. Who was it? Jeff Jeff Carter. Carter. Jeff Carter, yeah. And then kind of the same thing you saw with uh, Andrew Cogliano there in the playoffs. You were kind of expecting a response in Game 7 from somebody, and it was crickets. So um, I could see how Joe Sackick is kind of – opening his eyes to like, all right, maybe we have a little bit too much finesse and skill on this team. We got to get some more Logan O'Connors, which I think is the perfect comparable for Ross Colton. Yeah. Uh, obviously Ross Colton has a lot more skill in terms of offensive production than Logan. Uh, but in terms of being a hardworking forward and kind of giving it a hundred percent every shift. Yes. It's Logan O'Connor with uh, a better ability to bury the puck. And that's, that's what you're going to get from this guy again, man, like 22 goals and then 16 goals in his two full seasons in the NHL. His first year, he was kind of dabbling in and out, played 30 regular season games out of the 56 game season. And then, you know, only had the cup winning goal that year. So his two full seasons, the 22 year that they uh, made it to the cup final lost to the avalanche. And then this past season, when they lost in the first round, 22 goals and 16 goals in two full years, that's a pretty damn good, uh, number for a third line center. Um, but going to your conversation about the, about the grit, I mean, look at the third line. That's, that's my favorite way to kind of gauge where the grit was. You had Lars Eller at center who, you know, I talked up a lot, but seemingly lost a step. Like there was zero grit there off the top of your head. Do you remember who his two wingers were just to put you on the spot a little bit? Yeah. New hook. And who was the other side? See, the, I, I've forgotten about this name over and it's Morgan. Bingo. I forget about him all the time uh, when I'm talking about guys that could come back and couldn't return and all that. But mm-hmm. what where's where's your third line grit on that line? Dennis Malgan, good goal scorer. He, he had that phase. He had that period where he scored a bunch of goals in uh, I think it was like 14 goals or 10 goals in 26 games or something like he had a pretty damn good stretch there. 30 goal pace for a little bit there. But that's a clear finesse guy. Alex Newhook, we know what his skill set is, and we know we already talked about this in length. He's a guy that needs a top six role and just wasn't going to get that here. And then at center, you had Lars Eller. So you just you kind of lost all of that last year. Well, now the Avalanche are kind of, I don't want to say overcorrecting, but they're going out of their way to correct this damn thing because they brought in Ryan Johansson to center the second line. And, you know, we can have a whole conversation and we did for a very long time with Jesse Montano about his skills, where he production, where he is in terms of uh, rebounding from a bad season. But in terms of grit, you're getting a lot of the similarities that you had in Nazem Kadri. And now with Ross Colton, you're getting a lot of the similarities you had with JT Comfort. They're slowly but surely filling those roles. 
And it really excites me for the possibilities of what they're going to do at that second line winger spot that's being given up by Gabe Landeskog this year because that's another guy, like you said, that you have to replace in terms of grit. Well, and the depth of the Tampa Bay Lightning has kind of been the giving tree for the NHL throughout the years, right? So kind of a smart move, savvy move for the Avalanche to target that because, A, you can bolster your own um, depth, and not that you're too interested in hurting the Tampa Bay Lightning, but what you get out of a guy like that is the experience. You know that he can uh, shine in big moments, as you brought up. He he scored the Stanley Cup winning goal when they won, and uh, he has the uh, wherewithal to play playoff caliber hockey. Yeah, absolutely, and and he's a guy that doesn't shy away from the rough stuff in the playoffs. He's a guy that you know the last fight we saw in the Stanley Cup final in any year was the one in 2022 between Ross Colton and Logan O'Connor. He's not afraid to get into, actually he's fought Logan O'Connor twice, which is pretty funny. I think it's his two career fights. Um, and for O'Connor, I think he has four and two of them are against Ross. So that's hilarious. That's, yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, I think in the locker room, what was it? It was uh new hook Rodriguez and then O'Connor. Mm-hmm. I say, take Rodriguez out, obviously give new hook stall to, to Ross and just put them right next to each other. Yeah. And become friends. That's that's what you got to do in the NHL. That's the way to do it. Uh, but no, he doesn't shy away from the rough stuff. He doesn't shy away from the physicality. And he's a straight energy player through and through. I mean, look, I know this past season, a lot of people actually, the past playoffs, I don't want to say the past season, but this past postseason, a lot of people soured on JT Comfer's game. But what he's brought as the third third line center for most of his tenure here, he had that rough stretch in 2021, what he's brought for most of his tenure here is an energy player on the third line. And that's what you're getting from Colton, who's a little bit younger than him. I believe just over a year younger um, and can bury the puck a little bit more. And he's a guy with two first names, right? <laughs> Colton Ross, Ross Colton, whatever you want to call him. That's him. Let's talk about the flip done by Chris McFarlane there, right? I mean, obviously a great move to just take one of the draft picks from Montreal, turn him into a, a, a player, but you, basically get an upgrade from Alex Newhook and an additional draft pick that they later turned into, uh, what's his name? Mikhail. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, I've read a lot about Mikhail, uh, off, you know, just to kind of go off topic a little bit. I've read a lot about Hitman and he's a dynamic defenseman. He's a puck mover and a lot of scouts love that the avalanche were able to get him at 31. So that in itself is good news. And uh, you know what, man? Colorado has had pretty good uh, draft luck with defensemen in that range in recent years. Whether it's Justin Barron in the 20s, Drew Hellison at 31-32, and obviously also Connor Timmons at that same 31-32 range, or even 33, I forget the exact numbers. But this is another guy. And, um, you know, kind of upgrading from Newhook to Ross Colton is, is one of those things that... Who's got the higher ceiling? I mean... You could say potentially Newhook will put up 70 points in the NHL in a season. I don't think you could say that about Colton. You weren't really too confident in saying that, right? It's kind of like, well, yeah, there's the potential there. The potential is there, but you got to do it. And and I'm not going to go back just because he's not on the avalanche anymore. I'm not going to go back on what I was saying the last six months that I genuinely believe Newhook will be that kind of a player someday. Um, But I will continue to stand by my thought that it ain't happening here. It isn't happening here, and and uh, you got to find a way to make it work uh, for your team and for the player. And um, 
you know, the best way to put it is Newhook wasn't ready for the avalanche for the role. The avalanche needed him to be ready for today. That's the best way to put it. So yes, it is in, in that sense, it is an upgrade for the avalanche because this is a guy that fits into your lineup where Newhook really wasn't fitting in. You know, we just had the conversation of what the wingers were on the third line. As soon as the avalanche traded for Johansson, my brain went to, well, who's going to play three C. And I thought of Jonathan Taves who, you know, by the way, would still be fun as a four C if he's up for it. Uh, but I thought of Jonathan Taves. I thought of all these names. And then it hit me. I was like, well, Newhook is still on this team. Well, maybe we'll play him at left wing. Maybe they'll play him on the second line, maybe center. And it just kind of like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. So in that sense, it is absolutely an upgrade, but I'll do you one further, man. Combine all three of those trades. And I'm not including Galchenyuk. Galchenyuk is a pending UFA that wasn't signing here, isn't signing in Nashville, and only needed to go out because the Avs had 50 contracts and couldn't take on Johansson without giving one up. With that being said, you put together all three trades. Alex Newhook exits. Ryan Johansson. Ross Colton. Mikhail Goliayev. And Gianni Fairbrother enter. Like that is an unbelievable set of moves. Just savvy work from general manager, uh, Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick as the president, just an unbelievable uh, stretch of trades for the avalanche here to fill two roster needs uh, for what's looking like, obviously roster Ross Colton contract pending, but what's looking like good value in terms of contracts and trade acquisitions. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know if there's much more we can say about him. I mean, obviously it's all got to translate on the ice come, come season time, but I feel like all of Avalanche land can confidently feel good about this, uh, this move and this acquisition. I mean, it, it was savvy, like you're saying, and, and just creative in still picking off, um, you know, I guess the, the, the flip is, is more the creative part about it. I, I really liked how they yeah. used that trade and, we, we kind of predicted it, so no surprises there, but, but good I on do, the Avalanche. I, I will mention a couple things. Number one, I do love that when they got picks 31 and 37, it wasn't 31 that they gave up for Colton. It was 37. They found a way to hold on to the higher pick. The other thing is I spent the month of May when we were podcasting saying that the Avalanche need to fill in a new 2C, a new 3C, because I, you know, obviously JT was walking, no cadre, uh, and the reality was I, I also didn't think Newhook had a spot as a center on this team. I kept saying that the Avalanche should explore the UFA market and stop thinking trades because you're already low on assets. Don't get even lower on assets. Look at UFAs. Look at Ryan O'Reilly. Look at another 3C like Jonathan Taves. Do what you got to do. Well, one of the biggest assets this team had was their first round draft pick, number 27 overall, the one they used to draft Callum Ritchie. And... They somehow acquired two centermen, didn't give up 27, and then also added number 31. And the only player that exited the roster was Alex Newhook. Like, it's just, it's such a great set of moves. Like, I can't think of a better way for the Avalanche to be like, yeah, you're completely wrong with your observations than this set of moves to say, we made trades and only trades, and we not only held on to all of our assets but we somehow gained more assets along the way. So just, again, great work by the Az's, uh front office and, and you know, obviously Chris McFarland running that ship. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people were throwing stones at him right around the trade deadline. Uh, do you think all of Avalanche fans can agree that maybe his stock has risen a little bit? Obviously a long <laughs> way to go this offseason still, but so far he's been impressive. Uh, I'm going to call out 
I'm going to call out a little bit of the fan base, man, because not by name, because I'm not going to think of any Twitter handle in particular, but when the Avs were struggling around the trade deadline, it was how dare Chris McFarland messed us up. And as soon as the Avs started making good moves here in the offseason, it was kudos to Joe Sackick. And that is just <laughs> such bullshit. Uh, Chris McFarland, look, who knows who's making the decisions? It's the same thing that people were debating about Brendan Shanahan and, and Kyle Dubas. Who knows who was making the decisions? But the reality is, the same decision making that went into that trade deadline is the same decision making that went into this offseason. So if you're going to credit Joe, you got to bash Joe for the deadline. If you're going to credit Chris, or sorry, if you're going to bash Chris at the deadline, give him his damn credit now because he's rocking it right now as a GM. I'll call out somebody my name, my stinky friend Nathan. He's always throwing stones at Chris McFarland. So Nathan, damn shake, you, Nathan, shaking my fist at you. Um, <laughs> all right, let's look at. The rest of free agency ahead. Obviously, a lot of surprising buyouts going on around the league, and just wild. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to watch, and then we'll see which teams capitalize on other teams. Um, I guess trash, right? One one team's trash is another team's treasure, I guess. And obviously, teams willing to hold on to part of those salaries um, is going to help the the deal making and the negotiating on these players' futures. So, I guess your thoughts and uh, analysis of what's gone on so far and what's going to happen come July 1st, tomorrow. Something that the flat salary cap has really done. Here I go again with going off the off the rails. Something that the flat salary cap has really done recently. So I just asked you for overall thoughts. I didn't even give you a, a directed question because I knew overall thoughts were coming anyway. Yeah, but what I love about what the flat cap has done, if there's anything you can take from it, is it's forced general managers to be a little bit more creative in multiple ways. Uh, we saw it at the trade deadline with how wild, not trade deadline day, but trade deadline week, how wild that was back in March uh, with all the different kinds of moves and the salary retentions, the three-way trades. We're seeing sign-in trades now, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Matthew Kachuk. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of RFAs not get qualified and a lot of good players get bought out because and, and the salary retention, like because even a little bit of salary spend uh, uh, relief cap relief is now valuable. Like the Nashville predators are going to pay, pay Ryan Johansson $4 million for the next two years. That's a big number. Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter buyouts last year, just to go back to the RFAs, Dylan Strom, not getting qualified by the Chicago Blackhawks signing a one-year deal with the capitals to be their second line center without backstrom healthy. And now I believe he got a five times five contract. Well, now you're seeing the same thing coming out of guys like uh, 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 Travis Dermott was one of them. Yessi Poliarvi, Maxime Comtois, guys like that are not being qualified as well and entering the UFA market. And then, of course, the big buyouts. Matt Duchesne at the top of the market is just incredible. Like this has completely changed the landscape of, of what UFA period is going to be. I got my eye on the Boston Bruins for someone like Duchesne. I know he hasn't played a lot of center recently. He's been playing a lot of wing, but they need a center, and that's a guy that can play center. Um, so I'm really interested to see what he does. Obviously, this caught him off guard today, less than 24 hours from the start of free agency. Do you think it did? Did you? Did he say it did? He hasn't said, but everything that I've heard from Barry Trotz uh, has been that you know he's kind of looking to rejuvenate Matt Duchesne and maybe behind the scenes he was working to try to trade him the same way he did with Johansson. Well, and I feel like we know how Matt Duchesne is, right? It, and it feels like Nashville is kind of headed towards a rebuild and Matt Duchesne probably is like, you know what? I, I'd rather play 
playoff hockey. If you want to buy me out, that might be the better option here. I don't know if he was the one kind of asking for it because we know how much he loves being in Nashville. But at the same time, I, I, I do agree with you. I subscribe to the theory that he probably like the writing was kind of on the wall. They're like, yeah, my buyout would look bad, but we just saw what Vancouver did with the Ekman Larson buyout, Suter, Parisi. Holy shit, I might be getting bought out. Like I, I it wouldn't surprise me if there was something there that kind of gave him a gave him a little bit of a nudge. Yeah, so, I mean, I I I can totally see it because clock's ticking on him, right? I mean, how yeah. how old is he at this point? Thirty two, um, yeah. and he still hasn't played nearly the amount of playoff games that he'd he had wished. How many playoff games has he had? I'm trying to look it up here on the fly. Um, but no, regardless, I feel like, you know, maybe he was in the background a little bit kind of saying like, you know what, let's, let's not even, let's not even look at an offer. And maybe they were coming in low at him too. Right. So he's like, you know what, screw this. Just buy me out. That's yeah, how I would and, be. Yeah, I agree. And, and he only had one bad season in the NHL, the, the, the shortened, uh, I was gonna say lockout, the shortened COVID year, the 56 game season, he played 34 games, six goals, seven assists. And then, you know, casually bounces back last year with 43 goals, 43 assists, 86 points, and then 56 this year. Like, he's had good seasons every year of his career outside of that shortened COVID year. Um, he's still a productive player, and I'm so fascinated by where this could go. Uh, I also, look, I got to say this. 32 I, playoff games, sorry. 32, that's it? Damn. Yeah. Ross Colton's already up to 56. There you go. Isn't that crazy? Um, Matt Duchesne should hit his thousandth game this year. Where is he at right now? Nine seventy six. Oh hell yeah, twenty four games in. I uh, I really wonder where he goes. Boston makes so much. Like Boston's losing Krejci and Bergeron. What if they just go out and sign O'Reilly and Duchesne and just like, hey guys, <laughs> and then like give O'Reilly ten dollars more in his contract to make Duchesne lose his mind? No. Um, I I want to say one thing about the Duchesne thing because I'm reading the Twitter. The, the the tweets from Avalanche fans and man, it bothers me so much the amount of shit that Duchesne still takes today from the Avalanche fans as if like he hurt anybody or didn't help the franchise or, you know, hasn't matured and grown since 2016, 17, 18 when he was trying to get his way out of here. The part that bothers me most about it is number one, like, Everybody loves Matt Duchesne in terms of the players. I remember when, uh, you know, because when you follow these people on Instagram, you get a little bit of a, a, a like a peek into their into their uh, personal lives. When Duchesne and his wife were expecting a child, there were posts being shared by Ryan O'Reilly and his wife saying congratulations to the Duchesne with a picture of like a gift that they're sending them. There was a congratulations, I want to say from Eric Johnson. There was one from Tyson Berry. There was one from Nathan McKinnon. What happens in the locker room is not the reality for a lot of these people. And, and Eric Johnson, like that's the guy that when Duchesne was traded, stood up in front of the cameras and said, you know, some people didn't want to be here and now they're not. That's not something they hold forever. Like, I really promise you that. The Ryan O'Reilly, Matt Duchesne uh, picture when, when Duchesne was having his kid and I saw O'Reilly and his wife, you know, sending a, a gift to the Duchesnes and celebrating the Duchesnes. Like, that should say all you need to know about, again, something we, we often say in hockey is on the ice, players have long memories. Well, off the ice, they have short memories. They don't hold on to these kind of things the way you might think. 
Well, and I think Matt Duchesne probably has also evolved as a player in the last five years, right? He's not necessarily at the same point of his career, so maybe he might be a little more accepting of not being the guy around around town. He's matured. He's grown. There was an there was an interview, and if anybody wants this, it, and this is my way of, of kind of asking to see how many people are actually paying attention, because sometimes you and I feel like we're talking to each other until people tweet us, and we're like, wow, we actually have listeners. Yeah, I'm only listening to you half the time, too, anyway. So. Yeah, I... I barely listen to myself either. Um, there was an interview with Craig Custance of The Athletic. Matt Duchesne jumped on a podcast with Craig Custance and uh, I forget who his co-host is. Uh, and on this podcast, it was last year, he talked about his life, his hockey career, being a dad. He talked about his his personal life. And it was one of the best interviews I've ever heard from Matt Duchesne. He has grown far beyond his years he's just seems like a genuine good family guy that that you know enjoys hockey enjoys life um and is thankful for where he is in his career you know and that's despite the fact that he asked for a trade out of a team that became a juggernaut as soon as he left so if you are in fact listening i urge you to tweet me and ask me for that link because i'm gonna forget by the time we finish recording this i will dig it up it'll take me 13 seconds I will send it out to you. I will tweet it out. It's worth a listen. It's like a 30, 40 minute interview. It's such a good interview. But going back to that, like Matt Duchesne is, you know, he's grown and has, has matured. But what bothers me about the flack that he's getting on Twitter right now, people calling him a sellout, a, a locker room cancer, someone that separated the room, someone that is regretting, like, first of all, you don't know he's regretting his decision. But what bothers me about this whole thing is the same people, me being one of them that does this, that will preach a player's mental health and physical health. You know, we always often lose our minds when players play like Bergeron with punctured lungs. Like, hey, it's it's cool until it kind of reaches a level of stupidity. Um, but we preach players' mental health, mental health and mental well-being until it's something like this where all you want to do is pile on, where I promise you, deep, deep down inside, Matt Duchesne has no regrets. In 2016, 2017, Matt Duchesne wasn't happy in Denver. And I know that's hard to hear because this is the fan. This is the team that many of you are fans of. And this is the team and the city where you guys you know, live and, and, and love. He wasn't happy here. He had the balls to ask out. He played his way through the first month of the season. Obviously, there's that funny training camp picture where he looks grumpy, but he played his way through the first month of the season, <laughs> put up nearly a point per game, and then, you know, got the avalanche a haul of a return in the middle of a game in Brooklyn against the Islanders. So it just bothers me that we often think about a player's mental health until, for whatever reason, it's none of anybody's business but himself that player now decides i'm not happy in my situation i want to change it and makes an effort to change it we attack them and that's the part that really upsets me the piling on stuff like that like i never enjoy that stuff i've taken part of it in the past but you know the older you get the more mature and wiser you get just like duchene and and that's kind of the way that i think with things like this it does feel insulting for someone from denver for someone that you know might like the avalanche but at the same time you got to give him you know, kind of his credit for doing what he did. And I wish him the best. I don't think he's coming to the avalanche. That just seems like a pipe dream. If, if anything, it would be kind of wild. Um, 
but wherever he goes, he's going to get a good opportunity. I just hope he gets a chance, like you said, 32 playoff games to be on a team that's going to be there in the postseason. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, but at the same time, I still feel everybody deserves the right to boo a guy like that because, um, you know, it's just never good as a fan to have a guy be like, I want out of this team, especially when the Avalanche were on the trajectory that they were on at that point. And I know the trade ultimately made them a better team. So the trajectory continued, but you know, I, I put myself in the fan shoes because I remember when Carmelo Anthony did the same thing and I will still boo that man to this day, even though that trade brought, the nuggets a guy like jamal murray so um which ultimately brought him a championship so it just it just stings from a fan standpoint but i also think there's a line that doesn't need to be crossed and i draw that line at just simply booing him yeah no 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 i i i do need to clarify i love what you just said there if you pay for a ticket to come to an arena you can boo whoever the hell you want to boo you can do whatever you want to within reason don't you know, shout out racial slurs or, or derogatory terms, obviously, but you absolutely can boo. It's the, like you said, it's kind of going a step beyond where you're starting to like the, the piling on, I guess is, is the best way to put it. The piling on where it kind of passes the point of like sports fandom booing. Um, and it reaches the point of like, you're literally like crazy this is like hockey and, and sports is not reality it's a fantasy land it's an entertainment land there was a picture i saw on reddit i like to scour through the avalanches reddit from time to time and it was like in the middle of may and i saw an avalanche post a picture of him at a bar i forget in what city posing with jordan binnington and he goes guys you're gonna hate me but i just randomly ran into this guy in a bar we sat, you know, I'm kind of rephrasing what I remember reading two months ago. Uh, we sat there for a half an hour chatting. One of the nicest dudes I've met. And everybody knows how, what I think about Jordan Bennington. And even that doesn't surprise me. Uh, so when it, when it gets to the level of like bashing a person's character and, and who they are like off the ice and, and away from the booing on the ice, that's when it gets a little bit crazy for me. It's the same thing with someone like Tyler Bertuzzi. Let's boo the hell out of that guy for his last name, for trying to fight Matt Calvert off the bench. And then you meet the dude in person and you're like, God, I hate that your uncle's Todd, but you're actually pretty cool. Like it's, it's, would you not love him in an avalanche he, sweater? I this would year? absolutely. I had a conversation with Peter Baugh. He texted me back around the trade deadline, you know, because I grew up an avalanche fan and Peter didn't. And he said, how do you think you would feel if you were a fan of the avalanche trader for Tyler Bertuzzi? How do you think fans would feel? I said, the last name would be really hard given his family and who his uncle is would be really hard for the city to accept, but the player is great. And Peter laughed it off. He's like, you know, it would have been a lot easier if his name was Todd Smith and not Todd Bertuzzi, but it's such a unique, distinct last name that any connection to that name is going to irk people. But to answer your question, he would be a phenomenal fit like that is the guy if to you're play. making a move towards grit i mean if you're making a move to find a way to piss people off the way gabriel landeskog did here's the same type of guy without the pretty face like it's it would be a great addition Almost a Matt Kachuk type, right? Uh, that's what Jeff Merrick keeps talking about all offseason is how everybody's going to be looking for a Matt Kachuk-style player. Todd Bertuzzi, I feel, is one of the closest you can get, maybe a pinch um, lower on the skill level. But um, as far as you know, just playing with some nastiness, he's right there. All right, let's get into the draft. Not too much to get into. You know, it was back in 2016, Arif, when the Avalanche drafted Tyson Jost, right? And I was just trying really hard to do the reporter work and 
did hours of research and hours of watching film, trying to nail down who the avalanche were going to take. I had a couple of names. I think Clayton Keller was a guy I thought they were going to get. Mikhail Sergachev, maybe a guy they would take a shot on. Both those guys drafted right before Tyson Jost. None of my reports included Tyson Jost. And I was so frustrated with how much work I had put into that that I vowed to never dig too deep into prospects <laughs> ever again. So here we are, uh, draft time. These guys are new to me, but it sounds like in the first two picks anyway, they really got uh, some good value in, in really being guys that were ranked higher where than they uh, ultimately got drafted at. Yeah, Callum Ritchie and Mikhail Goliayev. Those are the two guys that... I think genuinely can have a future with this team. You know, I, I've I've been doing it all season where I bash the Avalanche's uh, uh, their draft record outside of the top ten, and you know, in the top ten, it's the two people they took at number ten. One was Ranton and one was Joe. So even that was like one was a hit, one wasn't. Um, but at sixteenth overall, they took Alex Nohook, and despite the first twenty minutes of this podcast, I felt still think he's going to be a good hockey player. Uh, in the twenties, Justin Barron, who's got a future. In the 30s, Drew Hellison and Connor Timmins, who you know have both played NHL games and both have futures. Like they're starting to turn the corner a little bit on that. And I could see both of these guys, one taken at 27, one taken at 31. Both of these guys could be players in the future. And and, and I'm really excited for them. Callum Ritchie has a lot of uh stock uh from what I've read, because I'm gonna admit I'm not following it as much as I was when the Avalanche were a lottery team. Uh, and the same thing with Goliath. These guys have a lot of stock, like you said, and I'm excited to see what happens. Right now, while you were talking, we just got the email for the development camp. Monday, July 3rd, Tuesday, July 4th, and Wednesday, July 5th, 8 a.m. to about 12.45 p.m. Uh, on Wednesday, it is a shorter session, but we're going to get a chance to see these guys. Callum Ritchie's coming off an injury. He might not be able to play. That he was said something he wasn't that was, going to. Yeah, he said he wasn't going to. I, I believe he had a procedure done six weeks ago. Uh, but we're still going to meet him, and, and then we're going to see Mikhail Golgayev take the ice as well as the other three guys that were drafted. So, And it's a shoulder injury, right, for Callum yeah. Ritchie? So uh, I, I definitely think that's something easily recovered from. Just got to go through the physical yeah. therapy and, and the strengthening and all that. So nothing to worry about as far as the injury. So because of that injury, he slipped down to the avalanche and sounds like they got a steal. So uh, I'm with you. And then, yeah, don't know much about Mikhail Golgayev. Guliaev. Guliaev. Uh, yeah. But just from what I saw from the Avalanche social media account, he looks like a, a fun loving guy, right? Brings a real positive energy and a yeah. smile. Yeah, that's um, what it seemed like. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what these guys can do on the ice next week at development camp. Any thoughts on the uh, third, fourth, and fifth pick? I do like that they picked a Jeremy up. I don't know if that many <laughs> re people know. That's re my read real the name. names out. There was a Jeremy Hansel, uh, Nikita Ishiminikov. 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 Uh, and Maros Jedlika. Oh, yes, the guy from Slovakia. Um, no opinions on them. I haven't heard, you know, I haven't read much about them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to have scouted anybody. Um, obviously, I did a lot of digging on the two first round picks after the draft just because I want to know who they are and, and I'm excited to meet them. So I'm sure all these guys will be there. Uh, I'm, I, I wonder if Zhigalov is going to make another comeback uh, after getting drafted in the seventh round last year uh, with the last pick, I think, right? I think it was the last pick because he has won the cup. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for development camp. I'm excited to meet these guys. I want to give all the props in the world to Sir Chris McFarland for being one of two GMs to go up on stage and say the Avalanche are proud to select player X. 
No, thank you, Nashville, for the hospitality. Congratulations to the Golden Knight. Shout out to you, David Poyle. Thanks for giving me Ryan Johansson. I'd like to shout out our fans over at McGregor Square that were totally not there watching on the big screen TV as we drafted somebody way late in the first round. Uh, I'd like to shout out our fans at Blake Street Tavern for the watch party. I think that place closed down. Uh, (laughs) Also, uh, after all of that, here is so-and-so to make our pick like oh my god it was so bad for so many teams so shout out to chris mcfarland for going up there and saying the avalanche are proud to select callum ritchie the avalanche are proud to select mikhail Gulyayev. yeah he's got an interesting energy about him doesn't he he's got very much i don't want to call it no nonsense but more like i'm not here for pleasantries let's just do what we're here to do and and of course you know once he gets to talking you could tell he's he's an extremely brilliant person but just has Mm -hmm. uh, a funny energy about him i think it's it's peculiar it's i love seeing him interact with the players i love seeing him come into the locker room and fist bump georgiev after a victory or something because you know him and georgiev are sitting in the back of an airplane talking about what chapter book they read in a two-hour flight (laughs) uh they he just seems like such a fascinating dude chris mcfarland Right on. Well, uh, here's a good place to stop. I know it's a, it's a Friday podcast in the middle of the off season, in the middle of the summer. So um, I hope a lot of you guys get the chance to enjoy this one before it gets stale. But, you know, we'll be back Sunday to do our regular Sunday podcast for you. And, uh, you know, keep moving through the off season here. See what kind to kind of moves the avalanche make here in the next day or two. Yeah. And I. Uh... To end on that, go to milehighsports.com to read an article I published right before we started recording. Potential UFA targets for the Avalanche ahead of Saturday's free agency day. I'll read the names. You can go in and read what I said for each person. But Michael Bunting, Jonathan Drouin, Blake Wheeler, Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Taves, Maxime Comtois, Oliver ekman Larson, and Carson Soucy. I got a ton of notable mentions in there too. Connor Clifton is one that sticks out to me, as is Connor Brown. So go in, read that. It's a lot of fun. I am so excited for Saturday. And don't forget Superbook Sports. Enter promo code MILEHIGH to get up to $250 back on your first bet. That'll do it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us if you made it this far in the podcast. Bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.